everyone. This is Amanda Borchel Dan. And I'm Jessica Steinberg, your host for Times Will Tell, a weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. Hi, I'm here today with this week's Times Will Tell, speaking to Meirav Oren, a serial entrepreneur as well as culinary creator, and now the CEO at Foodish. That's F-O-O-D-I-S-H. You heard me right. The new culinary arm of Anu, the renovated and rescaled Museum of the Jewish People, formerly known as Beit HaTfutzot. Listeners, you may remember it as that museum with the models of synagogues from all over the world, which are still there, uh, here, upstairs. The idea behind Foodish is bringing the story of Jewish food with recipes, stories, photos, videos, and eventually a Foodish culinary map of communities, food communities around the world. There are podcasts, too, hosted by Mirav with chefs and celebrities and their relationship to food. I first met Mirav through Open Restaurants, the urban culinary festival that she founded, first in Tel Aviv, then expanded to Jerusalem, with chef meals and food tours and all kinds of culinary activities that introduce people to the food around them. Today, I'm with her in the foodish offices at Anu, to talk about this new effort and what it is all about. Hello, Meirav. Wow. Hello, Jessica. This is so... Thank you for this opening. <laughs> sure. Meirav and I usually are on WhatsApp together, yeah. and I don't know the last time we saw each other. Certainly well before this pandemic, so yes, it is lovely to be time with ago. you. Yes. Thanks for having me. So Meirav is usually used to being the one on my side of the microphone <laughs> in the last bunch of months, interviewing... Really, quite a host of people. We'll talk about that in a in a little while. But first, let's really talk about Foodish. As I said, Mirav, you are the CEO of this big endeavor. How is it going? Okay, so um, first of all, I think it's one of the most exciting, um, exciting from the phase of like moving, touching thing that I've ever done in my life. As I told you when we went down the stairs, it's much bigger than open restaurants because it has a value and sentimental. Um, I don't know the word for it that, place, that moves maybe. me, a place yeah. for me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I want to ask you a question before we start. Sure. Is there one um, food dish, which, which is your uh, favorite Jewish food dish, uh, that reminds you of home, reminds me of your grandparents, of that makes you, you know, feel like that a bit? There's a lot of things like that, but I would say probably my most Jewish food that I love is herring, which was introduced to me by my very dear departed dad. Mm. He introduced as a little kid, I learned how to love herring, which is not an easy food to love, let's yeah, be honest. amazing that as a kid you loved it. But you know what? That's what foodish is all about. Mm. It's about memories. It's about connecting us all through food. Okay, food is not our target. It's our platform. It's it's what makes everybody connect together to their um, Jewish identity, to their Jewish culture, to the beyachadness. So this is what foodish is all about. Um, I'll say a few words how it all started. Okay, please. I was a um, as a part of the. It's called the digital advisory board of the museum as a volunteer. It was about three years ago, um, and one of the, I think the second or third meeting I was a part of, we thought all, all of us together, you know, the, the museum, Anu Museum, it was Betat Futsot, then it wasn't even Anu, uh, deals with Jewish identity through a lot of verticals, right, from uh, photos and um, uh, genealogy and music and so on, and we were saying, okay, what is our next 
big thing? What connects everybody together? And the museum should, you know, take over and start working on it. And of course, around the uh, table, everybody said food, of course. Yeah. Um, so we all decided that food would be the next thing. And we started just researching it at the beginning. We didn't have even foodish, not the name, not anything. And we started a very big research, a uh, global one, seeing what there is around the world about Jewish food. Of course, we found that there are so many, not tens, hundreds of projects, amazing ones, really. And we were wondering what will be the, I mean, the zavit, the, um, the angle, the angle that we want to take. Right. And we wrote a very long, of course, uh, what do you call it? A work plan. Yeah. And uh, we said, okay, now after we think what we should do, we had these six amazing ideas. Let's do round tables and, you know, mm-hmm. do these uh, events in Israel and abroad and see what our audience think Who's about looking it. looking for, right. Uh, only that happened in March 2020, which we all remember what happened that day, that month, and that, that day. Month, yeah. Um, March so, 13th, that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was supposed to be in New York, as a matter of fact, in March, wow. I think, 15 or something. Never went there, of course. Um, So what we decided to do is we did the open restaurant, the openers, sorry, the round tables. It's uh, natural that you would say that. It's okay. We did the round tables online and started conducting really questionnaires and also on with uh, a lot of strategic work, really seeing what we want and think we should do. And what also happened at the beginning of COVID, as you probably saw, everybody was cooking at home, cooking, uh, uploading their chalas on the, you know, on the Uh, Instagram, Instagram. feeling how they want to connect to their families because really, you know, the families were away. You can see your parents, your grandparents and so on. You couldn't have Friday night dinner together. Sure. If you had been. Right. Mm-hmm. So we understood we have to do a digital platform and this is how it all started. Um, so that was about two years ago. And since then, we've been working very hard on doing a, a lot of content. We're really going through, we're a global um, project, only we're starting now in Israel. So our uh, digital platform is going to be uploaded in about a month and a half. But I will say that there is a website that has content on it yeah, already. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of like um, saying that. Yeah, placeholder. It's mm-hmm. just a very, the, the, like the digital platform with all the Jewish food from all over the world and the communities and all the um, um, documenting that we're doing all of the time is going to be only about in two months in the year. What we have been doing, of course, except for working on the content, is doing a lot of offline activities, events in the museum and pop-ups outside and... Um, yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to ask you, I want to go back to a point you just made us about documenting. Talk to me about that process. What does that mean? Okay, so I'll tell you, um, one of the things we're doing, we're going to pe- families all over Israel from all kinds of uh, uh, food communities. I'll tell you a very um, moving, sad story. We wanted, we went to this amazing woman. Her name is Alice. We were there about, I think, three weeks ago or a month ago. And we documented her doing this uh uh, kind of a, a, a meat pie in her home. She's Moroccan, and it's very, very... It's something that nobody makes anymore. Wow. And Yonit, our uh, chief editor, went to her home and documented it and so on. And unfortunately, Alice uh, uh, died two weeks ago from uh, COVID. And uh. this is the last memory her family has from, you know, that that's a cultural heritage and from what she did, what she does. And it's going to be, of course, in our database in the museum, and it will live forever. Like we feel what we do, like people have treasures in their home, and we help them keep it for the next generations. So what happens to Alice's meat pie, for example, which is called, do you remember what it's called? Megillah. Yeah, and it has brains. Brains, yeah. It's it's something that nobody makes anymore. Okay, so... 
Tell me a little bit about what happened. So Yonit goes and she documents it. Yeah, and, and it's then... going to be as a part of, it's, it's going to be for a, a video, a uh, uh, picture is what do you call it, a steals? Uh-huh. Uh, an article. An article, yeah. And it will be That's a part of That's what I'm here a... for. I'm here as, a, as your <laughs> as translation. As your translation, Absolutely. yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I forget some words. Okay. So it's going to be um, as a part of the the website, the digital platform is going to have two parts, okay? One is, we call it the magazine. It's content that we curate and create. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be on that part. And the other part of the website is going to be, we call it now the town square, okay? That people, it's user-generated content and everybody can upload their content. And of course, as I said, it's going to be when you when you open your uh, like mishtamesh, uh, your user, your user in the profile. website uh-huh. will ask you what kind of food communities you, do you want to join. Uh. Are you from you know you want to join the Lebanese uh, um, food community, food community uh, uh, Mitzri, uh, Egyptian, Egyptian, and so on? You cannot imagine what amazing things we're finding out. Wow. So is that how you find your people because they are joining or like, how did you find Alice, for example? Uh, we have uh, you have researchers. Yeah, we do research, mm-hmm. of course. This mm-hmm. is part of our but job. But what does that mean in, in essence, in terms of foodish? What does that research process mean? We're looking for a little people, bit about it. No, for people that are interesting, that, that do food that people don't do anymore. Like I'll tell you, you know, let's talk about the um, Lost Pastries Festival because it's a great, uh, I think, the way Lost to understand. The Lost Pastries Festival. Yeah, we cool. found nine different home bakers that make nine different pastries that no one makes anymore from nine different kitchens, okay? So there was the sabaya, Yemenite sabaya, or the uh, love cake, the Persian love cake, or the, oh, wow. uh, yeah, or the karavish Lebanoni, the, uh, the Lebanese, Lebanese karavish. karavish. Now, these are amazing What's a karavish? Pa- karavish. Okay, it looks like, you know what mamul is? Yeah, which, is, like a, mamul which is a, in a, way. a, stuff, a date, yeah, a date inside, filled yeah. pastry. But, but this is not date, it's other okay. state, but and on top of it, there's like meringue, but in the meringue, there's hell. I, I swear, I took a bite, and it's one of like, I, I took a bite, and I said, oh, my God, I've never tasted something like this. Wow. Really. Now, think, there is nine different pastries that no one makes anymore, and for ne- 10 days, we connected each home baker to a boutique pastry uh, bakery, okay? Wow. So, for 10 days, you could buy uh, Yemenite um, sabaya in Bar Lechem in Tel Aviv. You could have bought... For 10 days, the Persian love cake in Keren Kadosh in Jerusalem. You could have bought the Karavish, the Lebanese, Lebanese Karavish in Nordinio. It was really, I think, an amazing thing. Now, of course, when you bought it, you got the, the recipe, you got the story, you got these postcards in the sure. bakery. And I don't know if you've seen it or not. It got so much uh, press. And I clearly and- missed writing about this. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, next time, I'm next time. Sorry. Face. Okay. Yeah. But what it did, it, it I think it um, it, um, it brought it back to it life. It brought back to life sure. these stuff. Wow. So this is what we do. And of course, now you can go into our website, the, even the placeholder now has this, uh, and see these uh, nine different pastries Amazing. and the stories of the people that made them. And what is it about? Who, they are, who so are their on. families? Yeah, everything. And where did this pastry come from? Uh-huh. And then is the idea to, in a sense, I mean, obviously you did that through this, this, baker, through this bakery uh, pop-up, but is the idea to bring it back or to put it there for a little while and see what happens to it? Well, some of the bakeries asked us to, you know, to leave it over there. But of course, it's not our uh, recipes. It's right. those people. So we connected them. They said, listen, if this woman that does the Yemenite uh, sabaya is willing to let you use her recipe for life, 
<laughs> we're more than happy. And what are people like in terms of sharing their recipes? Are they funny about it? Because sometimes people think, are funny yeah, about well, it's, that. It's, you know, it's some of this and some of this. I think most of the people are really, most of the people we meet are so excited that we got to their house and we, you know, uh, we, we're interested in what they're doing. Right. We're giving life to what they're doing. And some of them don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't, do not like it less, let's say, okay? Where does foodish go in terms of there's, the whole Israeli food, the Israeli cuisine conversation. There's, of course, Jewish food. Where does foodish land in terms of all of that? Do we, does Anu, does foodish give a, for instance, does foodish give a definition to Israeli cuisine, which is that ongoing battle? We're not into, no, no, we're not, we're not over there at all. I mm-hmm. think what we're, you know, Yonit has a uh, something I like the way she, see, she said it. She said, you know, the Jewish food has, um, it's not it, like the terroir of the Jewish food uh-huh. is um, mufshat. How do you say mufshat? Because it's not a land, right? Right. What's the Jewish food? It's food we brought all of us from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And what made a Jewish food usually is minhagim um, shildat. It's like, uh, religious customs. Yeah, because if you couldn't... Um, ritual, put, ritual customs, yeah, really. If you couldn't also use um, electricity on Saturday, you right. need to do a very long cooking, right? Right, which I is mean, why so, you have cholent and you, or chamin. Yeah, if you okay. do not cook milk with the meat, so it would define something that mm-hmm. we do. You know that in the archives of the Vatican, how do you say Vatican? Vatican. Uh, the Vatican, okay. Yeah. There's a whole crazy thing that um, in the Holocaust, ashkenim ha-lo-yudim, shel-yudim hilshinu alem, ve-echim yadu shem yudim. Oh, told on them. Yeah, told on them. How did they know that they're Jewish? Because let's say the the... Uh, because they, they were using duck, but not pig. Uh-huh. Okay, so... They could tell by what they were cooking that yeah, they were Jewish. That's really amazing. That is pretty, that yeah. is pretty so crazy. So these are all stuff that we are researching. These are the things that you're bringing to the table, so to speak. Okay. Um, so I'm wondering what the most surprising part of this process has been that you've been involved in for really two years, more in a sense. For me, there's not one person even that I told them about foodish and did not say, oh, wow, this is so, it like touches everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, before I'm a culinary, as you said, creator or entrepreneur or whatever, and I did a lot of work in the culinary field, and I really kind of know most of the people, as you know. Some of them are, okay, let's do stuff together. Some of them are not. When I come with foodish, I swear, there's not one person that said no to me. <laughs> Everybody that hears about food says, listen, this is so amazing. It touches everybody. Because as I told you at the beginning, when I ask you about what's your, you know, what's your something that reminds you of home, everybody has it. Everyone has it, right. Food touches all of us. And I think what, you know, I know I have something for you. We had every uh, Friday an event here in the museum, every last Friday of the month, an event. And at the end of the event, um, you know, you, uh, it, it's called Story ta- it's Kitchen Tales. And people talk about, uh, we brought different people to talk about their kitchens from Chaim Cohen to Avivit Priel to all kinds of kitchens, okay. uh, Jewish food and so on. And at the end of every event, we ask people, okay, is there any questions? And, you know, so many hands are raised and they have nothing to ask. They want to tell. Yeah. And they stand up and they say, listen, in my house, we did like this and this. My grandmother used to do it. People need a place to share their share food their experiences, memories, their, their food memories, memories mm-hmm. their food experiences. And we were shocked in a way, really. You know, we did this uh, um, event about Jewish uh, Saloniki food. Yeah. And this guy came to the event. From Greece, the, everyone. Yeah, from Greece, yeah. sorry. And um, this guy came to the event and he brought from home a, a book about his recipes from wow. Saloniki and so on. So people are so touched by it. 
And we really feel that they need a place to share. So we're reading, waiting for our platform to be up in the air because this is going to be the place. The whole idea of Foodish is... Is cooperation. Cooperation, cooperation with everybody, sure. collaborating, giving the place to everybody to, you know, to join our train, I call it. And the end of the day, listen, the Anu is the biggest, largest Jewish people museum in the world. It touches hundreds of thousands of people every year all over the world. It's a global museum, okay? It's not only Israeli, it's not only American, it's all over the world. We're, we're talking now to people in Turkey and in South Africa and in Paris and everywhere. And we want to hear the stories from everyone. Shalom, dear listeners. This is Daniil Hartman. And I'm Yossi Klein Halevi. Together we host the podcast For Heaven's Sake from the Shalom Hartman Institute. These have been some of the most challenging days for me personally, for Israel, and for the Jewish people. And one of the ways in which I've gotten through this is that I found solace and meaning through discussions with my dear friend and study partner, Daniil Hartman. And I hope that the Times of Israel listeners will join us as we continue to tackle the pressing questions facing the Jewish people here at For Heaven's Sake, which has become the number one Judaism podcast. Well, Daniil, I'd also like to recommend the Identity Crisis podcast hosted by our colleague and friend Yehuda Kurtzer. It's a series of fantastic conversations with leading figures in Jewish life, thought, and culture. Now, for decades, the Hartman Institute has been a preeminent destination for Jewish ideas and learning. Now you can access Hartman Ideas on these chart-topping podcasts at shalomhartman.org forward slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll privilege to help guide you through these challenging and even unsettling times. Do you feel like Israelis are still doing Friday night dinner? Totally, totally, totally. Mm -hmm. They're like, even on my podcast, if you've heard Maybe one or two are not doing it. And right, it was I mean, like, Asaf Granit. Granit. He's a, yeah, that was, was very, very touching. Yeah. He, so just to tell listeners, Asaf Granit, who is really a food celebrity, I who think starred, the, the chef in who has opened, has a Michelin-starred restaurant in Paris, you know, as well as very, very successful and fantastic restaurants here in Israel. So he spoke about, on your podcast, Merav, he spoke about the fact that he doesn't really gather with his greater family for Friday night dinner or for holiday meals, but he does a Rosh Hashanah meal with his fellow Israeli staffers and his non-Jewish Parisian staff, which I, and that he and his two Israeli counterparts cook it for them and they do apples and honey and they do the blessings around the table. And I thought that was Pretty amazing in a yeah, sense because he's experiencing diaspora, of course, in a very different way. Right? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a question I'm asking you about diaspora. Does diaspora, does the fact that we are really a melting pot here, how does that change people's food experiences and food history? You know, for instance, you have Alice who was making her meat pie and no one was left to make it. On the other hand, you've got people from Eastern Europe married to people from uh, from the East and they are melding together all these different food traditions. And what does that do then? That creates, I guess, Israeli cuisine. Maybe I've answered yeah. my own question. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe you have <laughs> no, another I, no, thought I, about I it. No, I agree with you. <laughs> I still think, though, that the the Shabbat dinner is still, at least in Israel, the strongest, I think, um, minhage, uh, custom. Custom, yeah. Most yeah. of the people really celebrate it. And it doesn't matter how, as you said, 
with Kiddush, without Kiddush, with challah, no challah, whatever they eat, doesn't matter. Right. Everybody's around the table. It's the, you know, um, um, I, I uh, did a podcast yesterday with Guri Alfi, and we spoke about the Shabbat dinner. And Guri he said, Alfi's an actor, everyone. Yeah. Com- comic actor, yeah. And uh, we spoke about his Shabbat dinner, and he mm-hmm. said, we do Kiddush. And now he's not religious and not anything, but he said, you know, there's something about the Kiddush that everybody's around the table, and they really want to eat, but you say, okay, no. Let's Wait. stop for a minute. Right. We're all together here, the whole family. It's the only time the whole big family is around the table. Let's give it two more minutes. Let's welcome the Shabbat. I mean, and I think it's really something beautiful. I can say even about myself, okay, I'm not from a re- religious home. When I was a child, we never did Kiddush in my home. Uh-huh. I was married to uh, uh, David, my ex-husband, and th- we weren't religious at home, but we did Kiddush. And now, even after we're divorced, I do kiddush with my kids. My <laughs> daughter does the kiddush. Now, is it religious? No, it's not. It's a it's, a, it's custom. a custom, and I love it. It's a ritual. It's a ritual. Yeah, and I love it that we do it on Friday night. Hmm. Um, it's something I really like it. I even when I was in New York, I did the kiddush myself. Oh, really? <laughs> really? I always say kiddush and havdalah, the the blessing over spices and wine that you do at the end of Shabbat. That is one I used to do that in my dorm room mm. because it would always bring everyone in. Because there's something very candles and sandals about it that anyone can connect to. Yeah. You know, a moment in time where you finish something, you begin something, or you finish something. Mayrav, by the way, what is what is your food memory? What is your earliest food memory? What kind of family did you grow up in, by the way? Okay, so I grew up in a family that did not really cook. Food was not a big thing in my Where were house. Your parents it's, from? You know, it's amazing that um everybody thinks I'm this huge foodie but because now, of open restaurants. I, I, before I opened restaurants, I never ate in all those chef restaurants and nothing. Today, of course, I love right. it. But um, I grew up. Uh, my parents are from. They were born in Israel and I'm Ashkenazi. But um, I can tell you my uh, maybe two food memories. Okay, one is a, a dish called kubate. Never know. We never found who makes it, except for our family. It was this like uh, batze kalim. Filo dough. Yeah, filo dough with uh, tom- um, potatoes and uh, onion and um, champignons uh, mushrooms. and mushrooms. Yeah, it was very good. And it was this big... Um, like a like pie? Uh-huh. No, in, like a... In a, in a casserole dish. Meruba. A square. A square one. Okay. Cut into small squares. And when we were a child, my sister saw, thought that it was kubate because it was ribu. I don't know how it has nothing square, to do with it. That's so nobody funny. Knows, yeah, but nobody knows where, where it came, it came from. from. <laughs> uh, so we're trying to chat, you know, to trace that, which is amazing. Yeah, my aunt said that she thinks it's a Bukhari, but we, we didn't find anything around it. So we're still tracing it. Okay. But it was every Friday night at my grandmother's home. This is oh. our, yeah. This so it really our, was. Yeah, very much tradition. Very tradition. Every Friday night. This is what we ate. It could have been one of those things where she made it and you, the kids liked it. So she said, yeah, yeah I'll worked. make Let's it every it, week. Maybe. That's what my mother always said. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing uh, I remember is my other grandmother on the other side, my dad's uh, mother, she did uh, eggplants. Um, it was the chatzilim shel safta, you know, yeah, the yeah. grandma's. And it was like very, very, very thin. And she had this amazing recipe. And me as a child, I remember myself coming to her home, uh, standing next to her, and she taught me how to do how it. How to do it. And I wrote it down and so on. I never did it because it's so much work, but she taught me how to do it. So one day, if I will not be lazy, I will probably make it. Right. Um, nice. So, yeah. Those are your culinary my, traditions. Yeah. I like it. My memories. I think it's really all about memories. That's right. the thing. No, I you think know? you're right. And you it's know not even tradition else? necessarily. Today, when I talk mm-hmm. about Ralph Foodish, I talk to people all the time. Everybody talks about their memories, right? And now I... Sorry to say, but I'm not a great cook. Um, and my children, I even talk to them about it. Now that I'm in foodish, I say, listen, when you grow up, what will you remember? That you I you know, bought couscous from this neighbor that does <laughs> an amazing couscous? Or will, 
But you knew to buy the amazing couscous. Yeah, (laughs) that one. And also, I really put more time into it because I understand really how much it's connected to the memories you'll take from home. Hmm. And today, my Shabbat dinners with my kids, really, they look different. Interesting. Yeah. It made me really do a change in my own life, in my own uh, way And your way of doing things. Yes. Interesting. Talk to me about food trends. Israelis are, you know, here, I'll give you an example. I wrote about, I wrote an article earlier this week about a, a British food writer who wrote about uh, ancient wheats in Israel. Mm. And then literally the next three people I spoke to, including Joan Nathan. Oh, yeah, she just talked to me. She about just <laughs> said to me, I'm coming and I really want to research ancient grains. And then I spoke to someone else and they said, yeah, I'm, I'm really thinking about einkorn right now. And I, and emmer wheat, I, I laugh because three days earlier, or, uh, seven days ago, fine. I'll be really honest. I really had never heard of einkorn. And now it is, now I'm thinking about putting it into my breads that I make. So how much is foodish going to deal with that? Is that something that's in the offing about Israel and food trends? And then there's, of course, food tech, which is a whole other area of, you know, culinary, the the culinary table and what we're trying to do to change it. I think what we're basically doing is connecting the past to the future mm. um, in everything we're doing. Um, I must say this is more of Yonit's part as her... Yonit uh, is the, really the culinary... Um, researcher. Researcher here. She's heading... She's sitting, by the way, in the office yeah. next uh-huh. to Mayra. As I said, she's <laughs> our chief editor and she's uh, the content manager and this is what she's been doing for years and years. She's super professional at it and I'm really happy she's the one next to me doing I'll this bet. stuff. Yeah. Um, but in, if I can say in, like from the top, this is what we're doing. Okay. Connecting the, um, past to the future. And on one deal is doing really collecting and, uh, documenting and doing all the pos- posterity, how do you posterity. say it? Posterity. Ah. Of the, you know, the stuff that are, uh, from old times. And we're building also, we have a lot of plans. I'm not sure I want to talk about all of them sure. now, but, uh, uh, regarding the future. And as you know, Joe Nathan's coming here, uh, next right. week. Uh, we're very, uh, Glad and proud that she's on our advisory board. And we're going to run with her all over the country and meet all kinds of people from the food tech on one hand to the very old stuff on the other hand. And um, She is excited. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> we all are. I was supposed to be with her. And, you know, you, you know the story probably. I was supposed to go with Guy right, Pianis. Right, he said, at the, well, you said at the beginning of yeah, that podcast. Uh, to cook with her in New York, um, thanks to COVID and then the missiles, we didn't go. But And that was 2020. Because I'm, I, I laughed with her yesterday because I had dinner with her in March, at the very beginning of March in Washington. Wow. And, uh, and we, she spoke about this thought, trip. Yeah. It was like March 2nd. <laughs> it was literally two yeah. years ago today. Yeah. And you know, the three times it was supposed to happen. I, craziness. I just spoke to the guy's uh, producer yesterday and I told her, listen, we have a date. She said, no, you, you, you're, you're laughing, right? Well, you mean you're still planning to get to New York? I said, yes, of course. We're not giving up on that yeah, plan. Yeah, she said, I have to, you know, I have to see it happen. I told her, we're optimistic and it will happen. <laughs> because as you've been saying, food, even Guy Penis, who, who interviews all the celebrities in the world when it comes to food. Listen, he's been cooking for 20 years from Joan's books. He's Amazing. kind of her fan. Yeah. So this is what started this whole connection What have you Guy. said, you did or he did about it? It's, it's sort of like the Julia Child phenomenon. Yeah, totally, totally. That's Joan. You following know, her. Really she is the Jewish Julia Child. So for you, so, and 
I just want to wrap this up by it's very interesting to me that you are not yourself a foodie. So what is it then for you? I mean, for, what what brought you to open restaurants and then to uh, that's food-ish? a whole story. I'll I'll say it very quick. Okay, I'm okay. an entrepreneur, as you know. In yeah. A, um, what brought me to open restaurants is I had breast breast cancer in 212, and after each chemo treatment, I used to go with my ex husband to a restaurant and sit down. And you know how you get the 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 plate, everything's so plated and beautiful and quiet. And I knew because I'm a producer in my heart, um, I knew that. You know, behind the corner at the um, kitchen, there's like a war right now, right? Everybody's like, everything's so, I'm crazy and so on. And I was curious what's going on in the kitchen. And open restaurants started as a sneak peek to the restaurants and to behind the scenes of the, you know, of my favorite restaurants. I went to, uh, I remember to Mati and the Ruti Brudo. And I said, listen, I just want to be a fly on the wall in the brasserie. That the Zal uh, yeah. when there was the brasserie, right. which is open for twenty four hours seven, yeah, a very blessed memory. Um, so it started as having people take a tour in the rest in the kitchens of the restaurants, meeting the chefs and learning their secrets. It started as a small pilot in uh, Jaffa, like fifteen restaurants. It was so successful that, as you know, it grew and grew and grew. At the end of the day, it was like one hundred twenty events um, and activities in five days with forty journalists and bloggers from all over the world coming and writing about it. So I became a foodie, but I was never that. It just, it, it all started. It was your producer side of your brain, basically. I think it's my curio- curiosity. curiosity. Um, my curiosity and my entrepreneur side of the brain, because sometimes I always think, um, say that as an entrepreneur, you know, my placeholder in the um, telephone is a hold your horses. Sometimes, you know, like I see something, I'm really curious. I want to make it happen and tomorrow it will happen. That's how I operate. Sometimes I say to myself, hold your horses, but this is how it started. I was curious. I was sitting in the restaurant. I said, okay, so maybe all I need to do is do this small event and and let people go into the restaurants, right? If someone will be willing to, you know, at the beginning, I wasn't sure that chefs will open their kitchens, which was, some of them did not. The first one that said yes to me was Ofra Ganok, and she's really the first one that said, of course, course. I would love to share my, uh, wow, yeah. And also the brasserie said yes. Totally not move on my love. I had people saying no at that uh, point. So in a sense, really, it, it's then full circle to foodish because it's yeah. like people have gotten have become much more accustomed to sharing their food experiences and their food memories and how to make this thing that we all love that is called food. Totally. I think when I got to foodish, I understood that it's it's everything. Like, you know how you, you have these projects, uh, you say that everything in life, like, uh, prepared you to this. Like I, I've done so many things and I, I really love mixing like food with art and culture and tech and so on. And it's foodish. It's everything together, only with this very strong um, mission that I feel I have. So it's much stronger than me in a way. I really feel it in my heart. It's something, um, as I told you now, that it's my day job. It's like something <laughs> that I'm, I feel committed to, to tell the story through the food, tell the Jewish story through the food. This is what I think think we're doing here good Mirav Oren we wish you so much luck at Foodish and we will continue following what you're doing and thank you Jessica for having me I'm great okay thank you for being with us at this episode of Times Will Tell thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel and thanks to our producer Gilad Brownstein please subscribe wherever you find your podcast and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday 
Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week. Shalom. Shalom.